This is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Welcome back to Moneyline and the prank line that it is. 713-780-3776. We'll go to the Twitter line right away. Shot my aunt with a Roman candle that I hated as a kid, so this was purposely. <laughs> that comes from my man Chuck. We're talking about accidental, maybe catching your friend on fire, shooting him with a Roman candle. Well, if you dislike someone, this is also an option. Shot his aunt. So uh, shout out to our man Chuck. Let's get over to uh, some, some seriousness, right? Because we know that baseball or the plans to go forward are in place. But now we had, we always had... I guess the idea of what happens when a big name gets comes down with it. And I don't know how many bigger of a names you need. I mean, yeah, you have Mike Trout out there. We've heard his thoughts as far as, man, I don't know if I want to go do it. Uh, I'm kind of skeptical of it. Well, what happens when Freddie Freeman, he's pretty big name. He comes down with it. We talk about, hey, if you're in good health, then you're going to be all right. Well, his wife reported that he uh, feels like he got hit by a ton of bricks. What are your guys' thoughts? Man, it's it's case by case, right? I mean, some people it, it hits really hard, and some other people. I, I think uh, I won't say his name, but somebody you know that I know had it and didn't even know they had it. You know, has the antibodies now and didn't even know they had it. How do you get the antibodies test? I've been trying to figure that out. I don't know. I'd have to Google it. I'm not sure either. So you, your friend that had it or or whoever it is, um, they they said felt no symptoms yeah, at all. They had no idea, no idea they even had it. It was a you know a few months ago. So, and that's what can happen. Then you hear other people that say it's the sickest they've ever been. So you just don't know. And I saw something on Twitter yesterday. Apparently the strain that's going around Houston is more contagious than the other strains. So great. Like we yeah, need something else here, you know, like <laughs> I know. great. I hate when I read news like that, but I mean, it, it, we have to read it. We have to be informed. I read that. I said, come on. Like, like we need, we can't get anything right right now, Houston. We just can't. And it, and it's, and it's us being smarter for than than we think we are. You know, it's like, Hey, I know this mask probably doesn't help. It probably does. Who knows? But if, if that's the question, if there's anything in question, let's just go ahead and throw this on because like, if it's hot, you know, when something's hot, you usually know it by the, by the color of it, but some things get hot and you don't know. Would you touch it? I would say, you know what? I don't know if it's hot or not. So let me go ahead and put on this mitt to, to pick it up. Whatever the case is, a little common sense, David Price says he's going to use his common sense and he's going to opt out of the 2020 season. We know on record that he's one of the guys that was playing paying the major, uh, the minor league team associated with him, a, a player that goes to his a new club, a veteran. Okay, let's phrase it like this, a veteran going to a new club, a big city. What are your thoughts as far as this because if if he can do it, I mean, there's going to be more dominoes that fall the start of the season's a long time from now. How many more players at what point does it get to say Hey, we can't lose stars, and I'm not saying David Price is a star anymore. But what happens when you lose multiple stars or on a on a small team in a in a small market, and they lose their best player? What happens? And we're about to find out, man. Next man up. That that's what happens. And yeah, I think some guys they may not want to do this, but they don't want to look bad in front of their teammates, right? They don't want to look weak and say they don't want to show up because they're scared of getting this thing. So I think that's part of it. But also, you know, Mike D'Antoni was talking the other day, and 
you're really maybe in the safest possible place with the NBA, you know, because they're in the bubble and they're testing everybody and, you know, they have all these plans to keep everybody safe. So you're probably safer playing basketball and being in that bubble than just walking around in normal life. But MLB, on the other hand, they're not in the bubble. So you're going to see people get it. And it's not official. The the Astros aren't, aren't saying anything about why Jordan Alvarez isn't in camp, but from Dusty Baker's comments, it sounds like that Jordan has coronavirus. They just can't come out and say it. That's that's what I'm hearing. I'm not reporting that as a fact, but that is out there. That's what's going around that, that, that Jordan. And that's a big piece, man, because we were talking about how great it is that the, the DH can be used in both leagues this year so he could play every game. And remember, in spring training, he, he was dealing with a knee issue. He was shut down. He wasn't playing. So we were thinking that, oh, this is great for Jordan. He has all this time to get healthy. And then now it looks like he has COVID, you know, and the season's starting up in a few weeks. So that's bad news for Astros fans. I hate to hear that. So we spoke on the bench when we filled in about what happens if it's someone that opts out from the local team. And not to say it's going to be Verlander, but just as an example, let's say someone just had a kid as Verlander and, and, and the family did. What happens if your wife comes and says, you know what, it's it's not worth taking this risk. Why are you going to go take this risk when you have millions in the bank? We have millions. We have investments. It's not for the money. Of course, it's for the love of the game. But that game isn't going anywhere. This family, we need to stay safe. That's I think that you, you a lot of families and a lot of these players are getting that right now because you're, you're telling the player, hey, get out there and, and go out there and risk it. When you have, what are you risking it for? You risk it, us in normal everyday life, us normal guy he has to go because he starts thinking all right if i don't go to work or if my job shuts down i need to pay these bills but what happens when you have money to have these bills paid do you go risk it do you go risk one year of trying to do what's right i guess for the sport of a a sport that was let's say baseball that was going back and forth with you about the amount of games and 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 the fine writing and you're going to go and do so they can still make some money back? Yeah, you're going to get yours too. But what if you don't care about that money? What if you don't care about that money at all? And you say, you know, I just I got money. You figure it out on your own. No, that's a fair point. We might see that happen. But these these guys are competitors, man. They're, they're professional athletes. They want to play. They want to get out there. It's just it's in their DNA. You know, and some guys will not do it. But for the most part, they're competitive athletes. They want to play. They're going to go play. Who's to say David Price? won't see that things are kind of going off without a hitch and say, you know what, I'm going to come back. And he'll go, can he, is he allowed to do that or will they not let him come back into the... I don't know if, if, if once you decide if you can change your mind or not. That's I, I a good know. question. Yeah. If you opt out, can you come back in? Because then if, if they allow that, then how many players are going to say, I'll take option B and just hold off. If that's the case, then why not push the season back to another time of the year? It just, that, that's going to be another question that arises. Why not do it that way if you're going to have your big play? Once you allow one person to do that, it only makes sense. Why would you say if you're Mike Trout, well, if I can just come back at, towards the end of the year, if, if my team is my team really in contention to win a World Series? Or am I here just to save face? Like, uh, uh, it's so many things in between that we're about to find out. I'm seeing the way that the NBA, for example, one of the one of the sideline reporters that are, that's going to cover the uh, tournament, she arrived from ESPN. They showed it, and obviously they had to cut some off because the cameras can't go back. But it's test after test. At which point, it was like four or five hour process. Then she checks in live from her room, and you could tell she's streaming from her phone. There's not like a professional camera crew around her, and now that's the way it's done because her crew can't go in there. So she has to do it. And she said at that point she had to be quarantined in that room for ten days. That's oh man, ten days. And it sounds easy for us. And I'm not saying it is. It's not, but it. 
yeah, man, these guys are professionals. They, they're going to have accommodations. Yeah, but still, the act of mental mental illness, man, it's out there. It's, it's real. And as much as we want to think that maybe one of these guys doesn't have that, what if he has some issues? Or what if he has, like, some beef going on with his, with his, with his wife, some marital things? Or, or what if there's some cheating? Whatever the case is, and his mind is just so messed up in there, that's going to do something for some of these guys mentally. And for you, as far as from betting-wise, that's another angle that I think – I'm not going to know where these guys' heads are later on down the line. No, it to me it's kind of like going to summer camp, but you you can't leave. You know, you have to stay in your hotel and you have to you have to go play. It, you know, because you know I heard you know some players feeling like it was like prison. I'm like, I mean, you're staying at a nice resort. It's not like prison, but it is kind of <laughs> like summer camp. You know, prison. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, I, I know. It, it's you know they're going to have stuff to you know keep you know keep them entertained. I'm sure they'll have all kinds of video games and ping pong and all kinds of stuff and. You know, you have your TV in your room. You can watch movies, all that kind of. And you can you can go watch the games. So I that would actually be pretty smart, right? Go watch the teams and get a little bit of scouting done, and watch some tendencies, and, and you know, get ready for your opponent. That would make sense. How Did do- you guys see the? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Did you guys see the practice courts that they were putting down? No, what what do they look like? It was like in a big like conference room, and they were putting like all these practice courts. They brought their old practice courts from like where their cities were, and they put them down like right next to each other. It's so crazy. It's like think of like the Marriott conference room times ten, and that's where the courts are. <laughs> that's what we're dealing with right now. It's it, it's going to be funny. It's going to be a funny process with having the telecast. We talked about the broadcast being remote. Yep. That's another thing that we're going to have to get used to. I want a reality show out of this, though. I want to see eventually cameras behind the scenes because you're you're going to see that, like I said, mentally someone's going to freak out somewhere along the line. How long do we get into where someone goes to the bubble and says, you know what, I'm opting out? How we said someone wants to opt in late. What what happens when somebody opts out late once they're already there? I think it'll happen. I, I think, think Gordon somebody Hayward will. has said, like, um, if the games are still going on, Around the time of the birth of his child, he's leaving. He said he was leaving. And can you can you can you hold that against him? Can you um, what? But then you ask yourself if you're even in that predicament, why even take that chance? What do, what is the why is the risk for you in particular? Is it because we know that injury he had? I don't know what his contract looks like right now. Is it a prove it year for him? Because if I was having a kid and these are my worries and I'm already set on I'm getting there. If I have my kid, I'm out. I'm not going to bring that back because what is he going to do? He leaves there. He's going to have to quarantine for 10, 14 days. He can't just go straight to his wife and his kid, even if he does get a test there. We saw that with the MLS team. Six players tested negative before leaving. They get to where the bubble's going to be, and then they tested positive. How is that possible? Man, it, people get in and out. I mean, this thing is, like we said, we're seeing how contagious it is here in Houston. You touch something, and then you touch your face, and then you get it. And you may not even know you have it. That's what's so so strange with this. But I don't know, man. It's going to be entertaining. I just hope it happens. I need some sports. I need some baseball. I need some basketball. And mostly, I need the NFL to go down. But that's the one I worry about the most. I hope you're not worried about us going anywhere. we got 45 minutes left. We're going to talk a little bit about football next and the Texans and what we think about I guess uh, the schedule going forward as with the news that came along this week, does that make it uh, – we know it makes it a little harder, but what are our thoughts going as far as the Texas season? You're listening to Moneyline, ESPN 97.5.
You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Welcome back to Moneyline, 713-780-3776. At Moneyline 97.5 is where you can find us on Twitter. We're going to get into uh, some of the things as far as the Texans, because this week, some headlines, we talk about headlines, clickbait. Some things pop across your computer sometimes that you have to you have to rub your eyes and say, did I see this right? What, what is going on here? And that's exactly what I got when I saw Antonio Brown could be in talks. Oh, actually, first I saw Chad Ochocinco Johnson say Antonio Brown to the Texans. So then at that, or AB in the Texans. So at that point, you start thinking, all right, well, Ochocinco is close to Antonio Brown. Maybe he has some insights. Then you start looking at some of these reporters, and the first thing, it's funny because everyone worded it pretty much the same. I know this might sound like a joke, or in all seriousness, the Texans are considering making a deal with Antonio Brown, or at least talking with. What did you think about that? I don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but this is something that we've talked about. You know, Josh Gordon is a possibility, Antonio Brown. The problem with the Texans' wide receivers is all these guys get hurt all the time. I mean, all of them are injury-prone. So, you know, getting somebody like Antonio Brown would be a huge difference maker. And he's still got it. He's only 31 years old. And then, you know, you look at, you know, O'Brien's a a Belichick disciple. You know, he played for the Patriots. So, you know, he and Josh Gordon did too. So Belichick's rolled the dice on both of these guys. So you have to think, you know, would O'Brien think of – would he do that? I just the other thing, and, and you've talked about this. Antonio could be suspended when he comes back. You know, that, I mean, that's one of the other issues. Is you know, I don't think Goodell has to make a ruling on him until a team forces his hand and signs him. So this is all kind of up in the air. Like he could be suspended. So I don't know. It's it's a whole bunch of who knows right now. And that's exactly taking a risk on someone like Antonio Brown. We talked about the risks that come with Kaepernick, right? The off-field stuff. How much can we trust Brown? I hate how people say, man, he's a changed guy. We're talking about that wasn't long ago that he was doing all these crazy or, or showing his crazy side, which leads me to believe that the that the Pittsburgh Steelers kind of hit some of this. It, this didn't just come along now. And you saw it happening before a, a playoff run. Again, whenever you have your star wide receiver going off back and forth with your quarterback, what is that going to be? Imagine having that in this locker room to where maybe he doesn't get the ball enough. We, we talk about how many options they have now. Where would you put him? Obviously, he's probably, he, he is better than anybody on that roster yeah. at his best. But do you just get Antonio Brown and plug him in as one and saying, hey, we're just going to go on with things like if that's who he is? Or do you say, hey, we're going to work him in? It, would he be willing to work himself in? Man, we saw it with the Patriots when he played that game. I think it was against the Dolphins, right? Like Brady was throwing in the ball. He scored a touchdown. He had a lot of targets. So I think if you bring him in, it's with the intention of you know making him your number one receiver. He's that good. He is that good, and and uh, that's why I got a feeling. You know that the NFL is famous. Uh, some organizations going to take a chance. They're going to get desperate. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And if you get Antonio Brown on your team right now, it might be just that unless you just – I don't see very many teams that need to take – because you would say, okay, you tell me the Dolphins don't need him. Yeah, but do the Dolphins need a bunch of stuff coming around right now when they're going in the it's, – it's the it's the Tua era, you know, and they want to start fresh and clean. Do you think they want to start it with Tua and, and Brown? Because if we can just – 
if we could just delete everything that happened in the uh, Raiders fiasco, that, th- those few months. I mean, let's think about that. My man was talking about retiring because he couldn't find a helmet. In the cryo tank with his feet getting all messed up and calling what he called Mike Mayock. Yeah, you know I'm still I mean? mad about that. I mean, like, my Lord. And you can't give him any guaranteed money, in my opinion. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? Like, and I think. I think the Patriots ended up maybe not paying him. I think they're going back and forth on that because I think he was supposed to get $7 million, but the Patriots, I think they're like, you're going to have to come take it from us. Did you he know? play a single? He, I don't think he played a single game with the Raiders, huh? He was just no. in the preseason? Yeah. That's insane. That Rem- was a disaster. Remember when they traded him to the Bills and he was like, no, I'm not going to the Bills. And that, that goes that. to show you how dis- desperate the Patriots were. That's not the Patriots organization that we've, grown accustomed to oh yeah let's take a chance on antonio brown with everything that's going around him they knew everything that was falling apart as far as their offense we started hearing the bickering between brady and Belichick. we we've heard that for years now from inside the organization people coming out and reporting the espn we saw those long reports that we all dove into because we were so curious like no way no way that those two – they got to be perfect. They have to have the perfect relationship to for them. No, it was all but that. It was about winning. Winning cures all, and that's what's been able to get them to the next level. Hey, we're going to keep winning. Whenever the winning started fading, what happened? You see what's going on now. We see that whenever it was time for Brady to leave, Belichick and Kraft weren't seeing on the same page. No, it, it- Brady, this has been in the works for a few years. You know, Brady's been ready to get out of there. Him and Belichick haven't gotten along in a long time. I mean, even back when Garoppolo was there. That you know, was the big that, thing. That was an issue, too. So, you know, when you saw Brady, what he they outed like a, a text message he sent to Gronk or something this week saying, hey, football's fun again. I think it was Tom House, one of the throwing instructors that Tom works with. I think he's the one that said it. And I, it's like it's not fun to play in New England. You hear that all the time. Winning's fun. But when you're not winning anymore, to your point, and, you know, there's no talent there at all. I mean, you know, Edelman is he's, – he's on the back end. He's, he's not that great anymore. Man, Tampa, they have some great weapons. He's got – he's going to have fun. He's got some great players. He's going to win there. I, I really like Tampa this year. Super Bowl type of, of, of season? Yeah, I think NFC Championship game is right right there. I think so. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I think this – I believe in Brady. I do, and I think he's gonna he's gonna show you that he had it was so okay. What I asked earlier, if does this gonna is this gonna show us anything as far as was it Brady or Belichick? Did they need each other? If who inherits the better system right now? Obviously, the Patriots are going to have to change maybe a little bit, but he's getting an, an MVP quarterback. Or do, is it better for Brady having to learn a new system, but he's got weapons? Do you think he's in a better spot? Oh yeah, I mean, I I don't even think it's that close. I think the I think Tampa wins a lot more games than the Patriots this year. If the Patriots go out there and stink it up, Patriots ex, uh, expectation, let's say seven eight wins, and, and they're not anywhere close to which, and Tampa goes on and goes to the NFC title game, let's not even paint them the Super Bowl, and, and then it happens again next year. Let's say. It all everything stays the same. Cam comes back. They sign him. They say, you know what? We'll take another chance. Does this give us the definitive answer that we've been looking for? As it was, did Tom need Belichick or did Belichick need Brady? For me, I'm already there. To me, it's it's Tom. You know, I think Belichick's a great coach. Don't get me wrong, but it's Tom Brady. 
You think it's time, even yeah. though the ones that are say like, man, Garoppolo, what about or or Castle? You know, what I mean, the Castle year. What do you think about that? Or do you think it was just kind of like he just it was a plug and play and it fit the system? And it's a garbage division. I mean, how long have the Jets and the Bills and the Dolphins been bad? Plus, the AFC hasn't always been as competitive as it is now. The Ravens were probably the the team that could beat the Patriots back then in the playoffs. It's but it's a lot more competitive now than it was back then too. It is. And for me, it was it was the Super Bowl, too, where, you know, the Patriots lost to the Eagles. Belichick's defense gave up 41 points. A Belichick defense. Yeah, with Nick Foles playing quarterback. Because, That's insane. You know what I mean? Just just think about that. And then we talk about the fun aspect. Maybe it's true because how does Belichick take out his number one DB right before the Super Bowl? Yeah. I mean, that was, and Brady was upset about that, reportedly, I think that too. was kind of what started the whole thing. That's kind of what kicked it off. That was kind of the catalyst, I think. I don't. I know that their relationship was rocky before, but I think when he took Malcolm Butler out, that was what kicked off the feud, I think. It was. And, I mean, just it was a record. Tom Brady threw for 505 yards and three touchdowns in that game. And, and, and it lost. lost. Yeah. But he dropped. He had one drop, though. Yeah, well, he had a fumble at the end of the game, but... You know, if you're having to put up 41 points against Nick Foles to win, I mean, come on. What man. are they, the Texans? We're going to have to score. We knew we were going to have to score 40 yeah, today. Oh, Brian, we knew we'd have to score 50. Actually, had to score 51 just to tie it, Bill. We knew today. we'd have to score 60. <laughs> today, if we want overtime, we got to score 51, boys. And, like, what the hell's going on? It's just the Brady situation, that Super Bowl, we, we talked about with the Seattle Seahawks, that era. And then that one play call, and then all of a sudden after that, it felt like the heart of it kind of broke after that because they got to feel they were real close with Lynch too. You know, they had to feel there's no world, no no other play in the world that you can call there other than give it to beast mode. Although it wasn't that bad of a play call, whatever the thing was, you cannot do anything other than give beast mode the ball there. If you lose like that, you lose like that. I think that those veterans in that locker room lost confidence. The same thing that we're going to see there. If you take out. The best DB going into a Super Bowl. If you're Brady, you're thinking, man, this. I'm trying to. I'm trying to put more on my hand. I only have limited years. I'm out here. I've given you deals, team friendly deals. I've taken care of you. You're gonna do that. I mean, that's your pride. Because if anybody knows about Belichick's pride, it's got to be Brady. Yeah, and I mean, how many times did he take less money with the thought that they were gonna put more talent around him, and then they didn't sign anybody with that extra salary cap? I mean, there's just also too. You know, he beat the Legion of Boom with no Gronk. Brady did, whether, you know, the, the dumb interception at the end of the game, whatever, you know, Brady still won. And you look at the the ones, you know, when he lost to Eli, I mean, Brady had touchdown drives at the very end of those games. And then and then Eli went down the field and scored again to beat him. He you know, didn't lose Belichick's him. defense. So, you know, I know he, he's not perfect, don't get me wrong, but he's been clutch at the end of the games. He's scoring touchdowns, but Belichick's defense can't stop him after that. We're going to talk a little bit more about, little, I guess, Tampa Bay. What happens with the Patriots? What happens with the Bucks? Is there a good bet to be made? I'm going to give you a little bit of soccer. we got two segments left here on Moneyline ESPN 97.5. This is ESPN 97.5. You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe 
and Josh Jordan. Welcome back to Moneyline, 713-780-3776. At Moneyline97.5 was where you can find us on Twitter. That's the spot. Our man Lamont, if you want to call back in, I think you, uh, the line cut off on you. or Maybe maybe Trey just cut you off That was on my fault. It, no, it wasn't on purpose. I, I forgot where the buttons were. It's been a while since I've taken a phone call. I hit the drop button and not the hold button. So call back if you want to. Sorry about that, Lamont. Shout out to Lamont. Thanks for always listening. Let's get back into this Texans talk, though, because whenever you paint out the schedule for the year and they, they, they the schedule released that first day, you know, you pull out you pull out the schedule and you start thinking, all right, win, win. You look at the Jaguars, two wins. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's always going to keep being that way. Close calls last year, but okay, win, win. You sometimes get to the division, split those just because. When you got to the Patriots, it was the first year that you did it with pride. You saw Patriots and you put check mark. And you did it a couple times. Check mark, check mark, check mark. We beat them last year. Why can't why can't they beat them again? And then Cam Newton comes in the equation and you have to pull out that that schedule. Where did I put this schedule? And you're over there trying to erase. You you're you're trying to you're trying to pencil scratch, chicken scratch it, right? What do you feel about this game now? This is going to be a huge swing game for the Texans season. And here's why. They play the Patriots week 11. We know that the front part of the Texans schedule is really rough, right? You know, you, you start with the Chiefs and then the Ravens, Steelers, Vikings. I mean, I mean that that's how you start the season. That is tough, man. And it's, you know, in Kansas City on Thursday night football for the, the Chiefs game. You're going to have to score 51, Jerry. I don't know if you heard. But uh, anyway, my point is, is now that Patriots game is it's week 11. But here's what's interesting about that. You play them on a Sunday, which I think could end up getting flexed to a primetime game now just because, you know, Cam and Deshaun. So that wouldn't surprise me if that's an option because it's a good matchup. And I think they have, like, the Raiders scheduled for the primetime game that week. And I think it's like, yeah, it's Raiders somebody. It's not a very exciting game. So maybe that gets moved. But my point is, is after that Sunday against the Patriots, if you don't win that game Thursday, quick turnaround, you have to go to Detroit and play the Lions on Thanksgiving. Early game. Early game. So you're playing at 1130 in the morning on Thursday after you play the Patriots Sunday. And then after that, you go Colts, Bears, Colts. So, I mean, that is huge if they don't take that game now against the Patriots because I know you think, oh, it's the Lions, you know, no big deal. But very often the Lions win that Thanksgiving Day game. They're used to playing it. And the other factor is is Matt Patricia. Remember, the Lions just wiped out the Patriots not that long ago, and it's because Patricia used to be their defensive coordinator. He knows that system for the Patriots, and we know that the Texans use the same system. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if the Texans struggle on short rest on that Thursday, lose to the Lions, and then after that, Colts, Bears, Colts. I mean, that could be the season. We hear the term look ahead a, a ton in football, like, oh, they were looking ahead to this game. You talk about that Patriots game, they don't even have the chance to look ahead because they get a tough Browns team yeah. before that, the week before. Then you talk about how the season ends. Out of those last five games, three divisional games? Yeah. That's tough. I, I hate to have it that way because that makes that middle part Browns, Patriots. Then, you yeah, you get the Lions in a tough spot. And then you got three divisional games out of the, out of the end. I, I hate that. It's it's a rough and also week sixteen they play the Bengals and you know and they're not world beaters but by then Joe Burrow might be pretty good and feel you know confident in the offense and the Bengals we know they have a lot of good skill players on offense they're loaded at receiver 
So that's not a gimme either. And then, you know, you finish the season against the Titans here in Houston. So, you know, we did a, a sports map video about this if you want to check it out. But it really could swing the season if, if you mess up with that Patriots and Lions game right there. I mean, that could be it because we know they start the season with so many tough opponents. It's tough. Like, just think about this. Chiefs, Ravens, just to start off, people are painting you as 0-2 already. Then you have to go to Pittsburgh. Then you go to Pittsburgh. You're getting painted. You would literally have to pull off an upset on one of those games. You already know that. And then the Vikings. I mean, and, look how many playoff teams they play. And so then you say, okay, maybe the middle of our schedule is going to be a little softer. Okay, then you get the Jaguars after that Vikings game. But then immediately you jump to a divisional game against the Titans on the road. And then the Packers at home, It's that's just not – this is a tough, tough schedule. Which Okay, when do you get the Jaguars again after that Packers game? Cool. You get your two easy, easier games against the Jaguars, two in the span of one month. In one month, you're gonna get you get to play the Jaguars twice, and then starts that murderers row of Browns, which hopefully they're not looking ahead. But you got Browns on the road, which we, we'll talk about the Browns some. They they got a team on paper that team can play with Kitchens gone. That team might be a little something. Second year for the quarterback Mayfield, maybe he grew. Then you go to that Patriots. Then you end it how you explained earlier. That's a tough season. I'm not sure how you can. Because some guys, I see them painting them for 10 wins. I, I, don't, I don't see how that's possible at all. In that Patriots game, we talked about it the other day. Like, remember when Jacoby Brissett jumped up and beat the Texans after Garoppolo got hurt a few years ago? You know, in, in a game that the Texans should have easily have won. And, and now you have Cam Newton on the Patriots? I mean, they could drop that game. That would not surprise anybody. It, I mean, best-case scenario out of that, that span of four games, Browns, Patriots, Lions, Colts. What's the best case scenario? Though realistically, yeah, four guys out there four and zero, two and two. You know, one of those games either either for the Browns game, if they went up there and beat the Browns on the road, came back, beat the Patriots, and then showed up early for a for a Lions game, I'd be real surprised. You talk about getting up and getting down for games. These are professionals. This is something that you you deal with. I handicap games for this. Like wow, they're probably going to look ahead. They're on the road. That's going to be a, a get up spot for the Browns. A beat them up spot. Then they come up try to bounce back against the Patriots, but then they got that early game. So what is going to be the downfall on that on that on that Thanksgiving morning? That that's what concerns me is those are fluky games. You know how that goes on Thanksgiving. You don't I mean, it's not a lock who's going to win just because you know the Lions are used to playing that game. The Cowboys are used to playing on on Thanksgiving. So that could be an issue. Like if you were handicapping the Patriots Texans game now. It's in Houston. Well, I mean, if you're just you know guessing, what do you think? Maybe Texans by a field goal or something like that. A lot of what happened last year is going to play into this because now there's a belief they would think that oh well the Texans maybe got that off their back the the big team or playing in a prime time spot whatever the case is. Yeah, I'd put it right around that field goal range for sure because if they beat them with a Brady, it depends how that Patriot team's looking. I think that yeah. a lot of a lot of teams are confused right now. They don't know what to think. What if the Patriots are come out? Eight no or something. What I mean, what they would did we, last year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we forget that. Well, quickly, honestly, we forget that, and we're always so we were so accustomed to see them dominate, which they did, and then they had like a little gap where they fell off. I think it was us wanting them to fall off. Okay, okay, it's done, it's done. We heard that the year they won the Super Bowl, right after they got their butts whooped by the Titans. You know, they got beat up by the Titans, and then what they do? They try to make it a 
a baby FU tour, you know what I mean? Like a miniature FU tour, and they try to use the we're underdogs narrative. And when you started, that's when you knew things were funny because when the, when the, within the Patriots, they started saying, you know, we are underdogs, and we're here to prove that we the underdog can win. You're thinking – what is going on? The Patriots? When have y'all become underdogs? Even on the if, if it's if it's in Vegas, you're an underdog still. You're the Patriots. I don't feel that way. Not in my lifetime. I won't see it that way. No. And I think they'll probably win this division now. You know their division. I just the Bills. I'm kind of like maybe maybe the Bills could pull it off. I I think they have a pretty good team. I just don't know if they have enough at quarterback. We'll see. Because man, he was so terrible in that playoff game against the Texans, but. I just worry about this part of the schedule because we thought that was an automatic win against the Patriots. And then when I noticed they have to play the Lions on, you know, four days rest, you know, in Detroit, I was like, man, they might drop that one. And then and then that's the season. Colts, Bears, Colts. And, you know, and who knows who's playing quarterback for the Bears by the time they get to this late in the season. You know, we just don't know. We don't know. One thing that we do know, Lions have a losing record on Thanksgiving. That's when somebody texts here. Yeah. But still, it's just a bad turnaround. Because they're a bad team. Yeah. Like we're saying, it's not just that that game. We're talking about the way it builds up. So where's their heads going to be mentally? Okay, after they've played the Jaguars t- twice in, in, in a month span, and they're like, okay, we got us a few wins, hopefully. And they're thinking, all right, we're on the right track. You know when you got a short turnaround in football, you game plan sometimes a few weeks ahead. So what happens when they come to that Cleveland game on the road? So, they're okay, this is a big game, but we got the Patriots at home next week. And then and then we go to Thanksgiving. They're already in that holiday mode. So how are they going to game plan this? When do they have time? When do you think they're really going to put time into that, that Detroit game whenever they have that Cleveland game? They have a divisional game right before that, and then they have the Patriots, and then they have a short week to go to Detroit. How much game planning is going to go into that Detroit game rather than these other spots? No doubt about it, and that that's what worries me. And the Matt Patricia factor, he knows Bill O'Brien's offense. You know, He knows how they set things up. I mean, he's, that's an advantage for him. We, we were all shocked when, you know, the Patriots got wiped out by the Lions. So, you know, the Lions typically aren't a good team. So I get it if, you know, they don't have a winning record on Thanksgiving. But I think they win games they probably shouldn't just because of the situation. They're comfortable playing on Thanksgiving. 37-41-2 and two all time. A lot of that goes to that, 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 I think it was a nine-year gap. Yeah, from 04 to 2012, they lost nine in a row. I mean, they were horrible for years. It was always like, man, yeah, I'll play on Thanksgiving. Give us that win. Yep, and you get that little mini bye week. So yep. that's that's the one good thing is if you can get out of Detroit with that win and, and you get that time to heal and rest up a little bit before you have to play the Colts at home, that could help them. Before we go to break, let me take you back to a Thanksgiving where Matthew Schaub <laughs> got kicked in the peanuts. That's remember what by, I was thinking of. Remember yeah. that? Remember that game? It, didn't he have 500 yards? Or remember, <laughs> go look at the box score. He had like four or 500 didn't yards. Didn't somebody fumble, but they called it back? It and, was Justin Forsett, yeah, wasn't Forsett it? Forsett fumbled. Was down, oh, yeah. I forgot about yeah. that. Ooh, he bringing up bad memories. People out there are like, man, I'm trying to get hype on a Sunday. Y'all bringing back that? The kick by Sue, the the abstract, we'll call it. They say, <laughs> man, how did he land that kick so well? And some were saying, was it was it on purpose? Was it not the way he fell? They were like, man, he has to know Kung Fu if he can <laughs> land a kick like that the way he was falling. We're going to show you a little Kung Fu, a little magic, a little bit of winners. One segment left. I'm going to drop them all here coming up next on Moneyline ESPN 97.5.
You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Welcome back to Moneyline for one more time, one last segment, 713-780-3776. We're talking everything from kicks to the nads on a on a, on a a Thanksgiving game to shop from when Nandamak and Sue. We're trying to put uh, our memory pieces back together. It seems so long ago, maybe another lifetime ago. If you remember that game, the the, the week before, Texans, Texans fans were living down memory lane right now. A week before that, Matt Schaub tied former Houston Oilers star Warren Moon for the second most passing yards in an NFL game, 527. Matt Schaub threw for five touchdowns in an overtime game, 43-37 against Jacksonville. And then the next week is the Lions game, right? Is that yeah, yeah. the kick? And what I love that they're playing on Thanksgiving. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I just I love Thanksgiving and football, and it's your team. Like that's exciting. You don't get to see this very much, and yeah, we're kind of reliving this a little bit. That game, you know, Shaw versus Matthew Stafford. Stafford threw for four hundred and forty-one yards, and I'm just looking at some of the names on the the Lions, like uh, Lashore and Kevin Smith and Joyke Bell. I forgot Lashore, about man. all these guys. Yeah. He was supposed to be big time. He was. It, but that goes to, uh, I guess, another point. How bad have the Lions been as far as the pursuit of a running back? It's been horrible. You know, they haven't had a thousand yard rusher since Reggie Bush did it. And that was back in 2013. I mean, just think about that. And they draft one almost every year, and it doesn't seem to work. They took another one this year with Swift. Yeah, and that, what does that say for Carry On Johnson coming off? I guess a, a somewhat of a little year. You figured that they were content, and then they get him. That's that's a, a strange scenario there because now you have someone knocking on your door. Seventy games consecutive, seventy games consecutively that the Lions didn't have a one hundred yard rusher. That was crazy, and and that's why I worry about drafting any of their running backs. Man, they just. It never works out for him, and you see why Stafford has to throw so much because he gets nothing from the running game. And I mean, and I'm looking at this game. Ryan Broyles had 126 yards receiving. Mega, Who? Yeah, exactly. Megatron had 140 yards receiving. And then I look at the stat line for the Texans. You have Andre, who has a huge game, nine catches, 188 yards receiving. And then the next highest guy on the list is James Casey with 38 yards. I mean, Owen Daniels with 20, Kevin Walter with 20. It just reminded me that, man, it was all Andre. And then, of course, Arian Foster was was amazing. He had 100 yards in that game. And, and I was right. Justin Forsett was the one on that fluke play. He had uh, 87 yards rushing. Didn't he, didn't he come back with the Ravens and, like, have like a thousand yard season he one had a year. Big year, and they gave him a contract extension. And the next year, he like broke his leg. That was the most like everybody saw that coming. Like yeah. you, you knew he wasn't going to do that again, and, and of course he didn't. So th- those are some of the fantasy things. Like Peyton Hillis, you know, guys will jump up and have a big year, and then they get drafted really high the next year, and you know, like that guy is gonna the Madden curse. The Madden I was curse. About to say, was there ever more of a flukier Madden cover than Peyton Hillis? Oh man, that was that was a lock that he was going to have a down year after that. I mean, and some people were drafting him in like the second round. And I was just like, okay. You go to the Chiefs for a second and the Giants. They tried. I mean, th- that one year, those two, let's say, right in the middle of that, it led people to believe he was a 
he was a running back with the with the strength of Mike Alstott. Yes. Like, that's, that's what people thought. You, remember, and, uh, uh, you always have that one guy in fantasy drafts. This is a fantasy show, right? So let's talk. You always have that guy that he'll do it this year, the Tampa Bay guy. You know, he's going to go out there and grab Brady, third overall quarterback, or maybe even second, Mahomes, Jackson, and then boom. You're going to think Brady in the fourth round, and he's going he's gonna to give you – Ten narratives and angles, and he's going to know their everything about him. He's going to know every mole that Brady has, and he's going to show. He's going to tell you this is going to work this way. But as soon as he does that, all hell breaks loose because late round quarterback guy. He's thinking, man, my little sneak attack. I already have two running backs. I already have two receivers. I'm good. I'll get my tight end later. Let me go ahead and take a chance now. And then the quarterbacks start coming off. It happens every year. It does, and it's funny. Like there's always the in vogue guy that you know is going to fall on his face. Last year was Baker Mayfield, right? I saw that coming. You know, everybody's like, "Oh, Baker's so incredible." I knew Baker was not going to live up to expectations. This year, the guy that's being pushed up draft boards is Kyler Murray. That's the guy that everybody's reaching for this year. So I wonder if you know if he's going to have kind of something like Baker Mayfield, where he lets some people down. Now we go to that Peyton Hillis career. How in the hell did they put him on a Madden cover? In 2009, that man had 54 in the whole season rushing yards. <laughs> 54 rushing yards. Then he comes out with that big year, 1177, and he never even smells that. He The next year, he did half of that, 587, 309. What were we doing? That's the disrespect to the John Madden franchise. <laughs> no doubt. That's so insane to me that he had 1,100 yards. I, I Like, that... Cleveland team must have been awful. On 270 carries. Just think about that. 58 first downs, though. Like, that's what he was. You you put him in there for that, and then all of a sudden you, they built him up to be on the Madden cover, and he was the second coming of, of the great white hype. I just I didn't, I didn't like it at all. No, and it looks like uh, Mahomes, I believe, is going to be on the cover this year. Is that right? I think it's Lamar. It's Lamar. What was it, Mahomes last year, I guess? Yeah, it was Mahomes last hey, year. Hey, and then he did get hurt. He ended up winning the Super Bowl, but he did get hurt last year. There Mahomes. is the, always that little bit. Like, um, remember when Drew Brees was on the cover, but he won the Super Bowl the next year? But it wasn't like he didn't. He had that torn rotator cuff, I think. Yep. Is there something more insane than whenever Mahomes got injured last year and then they came out? To hear doctors or, or, or medical experts come out and say that the reason that he healed so quick is because the way that his kneecap was, remember, and you're like, just like we needed anything else to, to add on to him, he's supernatural. He, he's not even human. No. They said the way that the, the, that his kneecap, the way it said, I guess because it was loose maybe or something, what was it, the case? Yeah. that? And if it would have been like a normal kneecap or the way his knee was complete, then he would have had like significant uh, injuries to it and he would have been out X amount of time. But since he was Mahomes and the way that his leg was constructed, it didn't do that much and it's two weeks. Yeah, he dislocated it and but didn't really have any ligament damage. I mean, <laughs> okay. you're just like, how does that happen? Because he's not human. Yeah, dude, and then what was really interesting to me is how much he ran in the play. Playoffs, you know, like he really started taking off in the playoffs, and that's the way you want to do it. I'd like to see Deshaun kind of follow suit, like you know, protect your body during the regular season, and then use your legs when you have to in the big games. How scary is it though that they would fall behind by double digits, and then teams were like, "Oh yeah, we'll just play, it. we'll play it safe. You got speed, we'll play a little bit, not prevent so much, but play a little back." And then he said, "Okay, well, give me space to run. You have to chase those receivers. You have to chase my tight end. You have to chase my backs." Andy Reid makes it to where he he can win. All he has to do is be really good at what he does. He does. That's what we want with Watson, so he doesn't have to worry about having to do the extra, which which we expect that out of him. But just be you, be the quarterback that you know, like trust in the system. 
We, he can't trust it. If we, we can't trust it, he can't trust it. No. And, I mean, we saw it. We see it in the playoffs a lot. You know, that's where I'd really like to see the them play a little better on offense is in the playoffs. I mean, how bad were they in the, the first half of that Bills game and then the Colts playoff game a few years before that? They weren't very good. So I just – now, they got off to a hot start against the Chiefs until everything fell apart. But then the second half, they couldn't score. They're, they're just real streaky, the Texans' offense in the playoffs. And I'd really like to see them get better. All right. Let's get, before we get out of here, our man Ricky Wilson's been asking us are we going to have additional IR spots for the league? What's the plans? Once things get going and we know that there's a plan in place, We'll uh we'll set up a we might do like a Zoom draft. I saw that you uh Ricky you you uh, advised that. I like it. I like the idea of maybe not having a, a live draft, but having that extra instead of like a how you do it on ESPN, you just draft and it goes by. It'd be cool to see everyone on Zoom. We'll figure some things out. We'll have the prizes there for you, and uh, hopefully that we can get everybody in. Last year we had uh, three leagues. Yeah, we had three leagues. I was having trouble just setting all my rosters. Man, I had so many teams I was running. But, yeah, I think expanded rosters is something we should definitely look at this year because, you know, you, it's going to be tough with COVID. Guy pops up on Sunday and can't play. You're going to need somebody to put in your lineup. Put these bets in to your book before we get out of here. Parma, Fiorentina, both teams to score. That's Italy. Go to the Atalanta game. Atalanta, not the Falcons, but Atalanta from Italy. Both teams to score and over two and a half. I'm pretty confident on that bet. And Manchester City team total over two. I think they're going to blast Southampton. Those are the bets right there. Go ahead and get them in. If you miss anything, check us out on Podcast Arena. If you want to check us out on Sports Map, my man to my right, my partner in Grind the Statistician, he's the man behind all that. Make sure that you check everything out on Sports Map. Signing off for the squad. We appreciate you like we do every single Sunday. And we're going to be here next Sunday and going forward until they tell us don't come back. Get out of here. But until now, you get out of here and you go have fun with your families because it's a holiday weekend and that's what we're here for. Signing off for Trey Campbell, Josh Jordan, and Jerry Bonos with a Z. Peace.